Welcome to the Amazon Legends Podcast, where we have real stories about making it big on Amazon. Our guests are CEOs of large companies and entrepreneurs who became powerful sellers, also experts specializing in helping sellers, and both former and current Amazon employees who will give us an insight from behind the scenes. Here's your host, Nick Urison. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. Uh, my next guest today is someone who made his childhood dream a reality by emigrating to the U.S. So you're dealing with a visionary immigrant here, and you're going to learn a lot. You're going to learn all about how to put up a fight and how to win. So um, he followed his uh, dream by becoming a success on Amazon uh, for over a decade, and he's currently in charge of Amazon. He's currently in charge of growth of Amazon marketplaces of a major hair care manufacturer and also the founder of Pass Agents. His interest is uh, history, specifically with focus on war strategy. So you've got a visionary, you've got a strategy guy who wants to win. So uh, without uh, further ado, uh, meet my guest, uh, Ruben, Ruben Alikanyan. So welcome to the show, Ruben. I know it's uh, nice to meet you and uh, thank you for the uh, invite and you're one of the rare people who pronounced my last name so accurately. It's just great to hear that. <laughs> really, that's okay. You know, it must be my training of pronouncing my last name. <laughs> so that's what happens when you're an immigrant, right? So you become totally conditioned. So uh, when we met, you told me about the secret sauce you had for success. So tell us all about it. What is that secret sauce? Uh, so just just put it in simple words, we, we find uh, brands that generally losing and then uh, make them a winner. It's kind of a uh, another metaphor to it will be finding a diamond in a rough. Uh, so we've been, uh, you know, obviously all the Amazon world in general, you know, very much got familiar with 2021 boom after the pandemic with uh, aggregator growth and how aggregators raised money with, uh, you know, all, all that uh, continued successes that the companies had. Uh, and, you know, that was actually one of the things that prompted me to live a very successful corporate uh, job, uh, which I just got recently promoted. And uh, kind of looking into that and finding that intersection between the uh, technology and e-commerce and uh, the retail business. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking deeper and deeper to that, one thing become, you know, very surprisingly uh, clear to me that, uh, while aggregators were interested into acquiring large uh, uh, companies, and by my research as rule of thumb, they've been looking into companies that generate over five hundred thousand dollars revenue, and uh, you know, been a, because obviously they have large funds and, and they can require uh, acquire that kind of uh, organizations. And almost ninety percent of the sellers who are doing the yearly revenue from and I do it exact numbers from $50,000 to, let's say, $250,000 are not feeding into that criteria. But those sellers can be profitable or can have an opportunity to be profitable, but they just simply left off. So uh, what we've done initially was uh, looking into those organizations, finding the best brands that provide an opportunity to growth or already profitable. Uh, acquiring them, offering them uh, interesting exit opportunities, uh, and then working the magic into uh, growing that, and then later on either 
uh, continue being profitable or turning it back to another a major aggregator who at that time will be interested. So, okay, so what I heard you say is you are purposely looking for losers to turn into winners. Yes, uh, that's absolutely correct. So, and, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's uh, dig into this because I want to understand what your definition of a loser is. So yeah. what, I should say, what is it? I don't want to call them losers, but exactly. someone who is not, do, not doing as well as they could uh, exactly realizing their potential. So what is your criteria? How do you identify them? Yep. Uh, that, that's a great question and actually very great clarification there. So they're not technically losers. They're just not using their poor potential to uh, what they can uh, possibly do. And uh, one of the criteria, surprisingly to me, and this is, this is funny, a lot of people will be surprised through this. We found organizations that have been doing over $200,000 in revenue or you know, they had years ups and downs, let's say of 170,000, 200, without doing a single dime in advertisement. And you know, seeing that kind of an opportunity is just you know, jumps right to us, but that's the very obvious one. Uh, you know, we've been looking into with the creatives as more and more the Amazon uh, uh, grows and then uh, Amazon evolution that we see since primarily you know, I joined the Amazon world uh, very actively 2013 and then 15, 16, is uh, building a brand initially and then having the right creatives uh, on the top of it uh, will make the conversion much stronger and then the, uh, the growth will be much faster. So we're looking into multiple areas, but uh, the, the images, uh, the, the, the creative content will be very important, the brand story, the brand origination, all those areas, and then opportunities, how the omnichannel can help that brand to grow because we're not looking only at Amazon. We're looking how we can take this brand into uh, you know, Amazon ecosystem outside of the U.S. And there are so many e-commerce platforms uh, here in U.S. and around the world that can be utilized for that purpose. Mm -hmm. So as far as picking such sellers, does category matter for you? Yes, that, that absolutely does matter. Uh, and uh, but the reasons, so well, there are some of them, few very obvious ones. One of them, let's say, uh, again, rule of thumb, we, we all very much know that uh, categories, let's say, the herbal supplements will be really hard to grow, uh, regardless of where stage they are. And they will require a lot of capital. And there are so many controversies, you know, uh, Amazon can pull these things down or it may not uh, fit the, you know, the right audiences or it worked one time and then it will not work another time. So we do look into the categories and, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, the, some categories that we are very actively looking are the kitchen, uh, toys, it's one of the best categories that we uh, have seen success. Kitchen accessories, another one, uh, you know, outside of the kitchen appliance category that we've been also been into. And also we're looking into the sports, uh, you know, that's something that uh, customers will be excited about to have uh, regardless the conditions uh, uh, outside of the uh, outside of the ecosystem. What do you uh, say about pet category? Uh, it's a challenging category. It's a huge category, obviously. But my personal experience, and with the, the PAS, we actually have a, a very major uh, pet uh, category brand that we're managing. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's, it's a challenging one. We do try to avoid it, quite frankly. If there is an opportunity there, obviously, for certain areas that we look into, we'll definitely uh, go behind it. 
but so far we've seen uh, better opportunities with the uh, categories that I've mentioned before, which are the uh, kitchen accessories, appliances, and uh, toys especially. That's my favorite one. Uh, how about health and beauty? Uh, health and beauty, uh, if I separate them, uh, beauty uh, will require, that is another one that will probably fit into the category with an health. Uh, not not health, I'm sorry, within the uh, supplements. And uh, the beauty is not much of a issue with uh, what the challenges you may face as a category, but the saturated market, uh, the available, uh, the competition and the low price points are going to put extreme pressure. And uh, you know, I mentioned, I, you know, I have this uh, role within the global hair company, Eco, and it's exactly in the beauty category. Uh, and with the PAS, we have a few other major uh, beauty brands, and we see that challenge ahead. So our goal with the PAS and with this uh, brand building strategy is find the easier opportunities for faster growth, because we plan to exit the brand within the 24 maximum to 48, uh, 48 months. So we do not want to invest heavily our cash and resources into uh, you know, trying to grow it. We're looking for very fast turnaround. So they're being picked into some categories there. I see. So uh, does the category influence your valuation or not really? Uh, it does influence. And, uh, you know, the reason being will be exactly some of the things that have been mentioned, you know, the price points, uh, uh, what's the uh, well, the averages versus the competition? So those little nuances can play a major role into deciding if this is a category of brand we want to go into or not. Uh, additionally, speaking within a beauty category, more than ever now we see that uh, the brand itself, what the brand represents, is extremely important, and we may overlook some areas. Uh, again, for instance, the competition or saturated market or the price point, if we recognize the brand potential within, the brand story within is strong, especially working with the U.S. companies, especially working with the minority or women-owned brands. Because we've been successful with those, we know how to leverage them properly. And that is something we can definitely, you know, take a look at and, uh, and see what was the founder story behind it. Uh, and that will give another, you know, layer of evaluation and consideration. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's everything that you talk about at the end of the day. This is a business. I mean, this is not just selling on Amazon. I, oh, yeah. I read and I read about it and I, I hear about it where people say, I just want to sell on Amazon. Well, you are not selling on Amazon unless you have a, a holistic approach to build a business. And of course, if you have your own private label, you need to really tell the story. Everything matters. You know, you're, you're, you're having your logo. Some of these people don't even have a logo. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell them, having even a logo is not enough nowadays. Your logo has to be meaningful. There has to be planning strategy behind what is your logo is your logo is going to be extension of your brand so if and, and and i do get a lot i do get you know like you mentioned as an immigrant i have a lot of friends who like who've heard the stories of success in selling and like hey i want to launch a brand in amazon and uh 
And when I hear that, you know, I don't understand what they mean. But when I start telling them, I cannot even pull a thread without you fully understanding what it is to launch a brand, which means we have to see through from a day one to the end of 24th month how this thing is going to progressing week by week, month by month, year by year, and have a plan in place and then plan B and plan C in place if the things won't go right. So we have to understand what our brand represents. We have to think about that. What are we selling? Why are we selling? And how are we going to do that? All of this has to be taken into consideration. You cannot, this is not the Amazon of 2015-14, where you list something and you decide to change a brand and you change a brand name, you decide to change in, uh, you know, the images and it just you know, magically happens. It, it's not. You cannot sell in Amazon if you're not looking at this strategically and if you're not planning to have a brand that will produce longevity and then, and then uh, flourish with the time. Yeah, I mean, you said uh, something uh, which is longevity. So Amazon does not want these quick situations. They want you to be in it for the long haul. They, they want you to build something that is going to be there. They want it to be within their policies. There is no, there is no quick fix. There is no magic bullet. You really have to do it deliberately with discipline and consistently, and you have to build an infrastructure, right? That's what they want. And, and you have to build your own following by the way you handle the business, which they call the best customer experience. So uh, that's what they want. They want people coming to Amazon, looking for products that they want, finding it, and then after they buy it, they are super happy about it. That's what they yep. Yeah, and, and, and that means, and those are the people actually rank up in the search results. Yes, 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 and and uh, and those are the and and if you look at it from the other point of view, right? If you look into the point of view of the what Amazon rewards, we all know, right? There are certain things that Amazon rewards, and every basic and major thing you look at that Amazon rewards, it rewards to the brand who know exactly what they're doing, and and those little things that they're uh, that they're actually executing well or the ones who are winning in Amazon. So if you're thinking just do a flyby or, a, you know, like some people chase that. I know, you know, especially in the pandemic, just put something that will uh, sell through. Like those stuff are gone and behind. And if you want to be successful, you have to have that. And Amazon will reward it in the end. We all know how challenging it is to deal with Amazon, no doubt. But if you're not going to be prepared to meet those challenges and overcome it and have things in place, it will not be successful. You're, you know, you're going to put yourself to failure and uh, you know, you, you'd rather not do that. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier something else that's one of my favorite subjects and, and that was conversion rate. So you mentioned that you look at the, the, the seller, you look at their products and uh, you look at their pictures and how they are converting. So, when you look at the conversion rate, so first of all, how do you do that and what are you looking for? So the, the conversion rate will also depend largely into the category. Some categories will have a higher the, the conversion rate in general than versus the other. But if we're looking specific on a PDP, the product detail page, uh, the conversion rate is uh, something that will depend on multiple things. Let, let's, let's take, for example, we're looking into the specific case within 
uh, when uh, within the advertising, uh, we're looking for some metrics and the conversion rate for a specific product is not, is not doing well. So our job is identifying why and uh, you know, for basic actions, we look into the specific keywords that has a high CTR. So the, we're targeting right audiences, obviously. And you know, by, by any standards, we have a 0.35 CTR, which is a normal or even higher than that, but no conversion or very low conversion. So we dig in down into identifying the keyword. Great example, and on, 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 you know, you understand exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, it's a kitchen accessory brand. It's it's a it's a lunchbox uh, that it's it's our own private label brands that we sell. Uh, on certain keywords, what was a kids lunchbox? Uh, we've been uh, having a we know the product is for that audience. We knew that, uh, but our conversion low was uh, conversion was very low, and then uh, our CTR was high. So. When we scout the page from A to Z, all the way from a title to the last sentence, what we have, it become extremely apparent to us that our images do not cater to parents who are looking for their lunch boxes with the kids, or our images are not justifying or doing a good job. If I'm a parent looking at a lunch box for my kid and I'm on my page, will I buy that product? No, I would not, because the seller does us. They did not do a good job into convincing me, a prospect, that this lunchbox is, is, is specifically for kids. And therefore, your conversion rate is low. So what we'll do, if we indeed identify that that keyword is very specific to that product, then nine times out of 10, the low conversion rate comes back to your PDP. When it goes to the PDP, uh, your Let's suppose your SEO is in a good place because you're targeting, obviously, and then uh, your indexing and ranking is in the right place. Then the most obvious place to look will be the graphics and you know, your visuals. You look at the visuals. There are so many tools right now, including the Pixel, uh, one of the you know, uh, major in the category that you can do experiments. And look at your competition to see how they're doing, how they're converting on that keyword. Um, use the Amazon experiment tool to do that by improving. Once you improve that incrementally, uh, within, especially with your graphics, your first seven images, and then to your A-plus content, the conversion will get fixed, and, and you will see that results uh, definitely with the time. So there is several things that you mentioned. So uh, first, let's clarify. CTR is click-through rate, right? That's what you... So that means That's that right. somebody searched, and search results came up, and out of those 100 searches, one person clicked, your CTR is 1%, right? Yeah, that's correct. So, so now, now let's step back even further. So you paid for the search term. Somebody searched, you came up as a sponsored product. Yes. And they clicked on that so right there you have out of 100 you may have 10 clicks so your ctr may be 10 percent for the paid campaign however as you know depending on your ranking you also appear in the organic listings yes so and out of those 100 only one person may click on the organic yes so 200 times your product was shown up and you got 
five on the sponsored, one on the organic. So your conversion rate is six people out of 200. That what yes. is that? 3%, right? Yes. Yes. So now, what are you suggesting here? Are you suggesting that your conversion on the paid keyword was pretty high, but they did not generate orders? Or are you suggesting that your click-through was 3% on the keyword in general as a total, uh, and then you converted X on the actual listing? So there's two different things, right? So which one are you referring to? This one was specifically into the advertising side of it. So the paid uh, keywords that, let's say, we have ranked us at the top of the search and then traffic came in directly uh, through the uh, through the advertising search. So the, the click-through rate, uh, you know, the only measure Amazon gives you, obviously, it's, it's, it's on the, uh, the advertising side of it. So all this uh, description was targeted towards the uh, the, the sponsored campaigns and how to improve the PPC side and the PPC conversion. Uh, with the, yeah. Yeah, so do you keep an eye on the overall conversion? Because ultimately that's where everything is going. And and then that will suggest things to you. Do you do, you do that? Absolutely. And, 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 and that is a chain of uh, different events that we do follow. Uh, because before we even get that to conversion, uh, you know, obviously, if the conversion within the advertisement is low, it means something that we're not ranking well for that specific keywords organically. So we're using the advertising to try to rank higher and organically, and then ultimately improve the conversion on both ends. So in this specific example, we're using the advertising to target, uh, to get the conversion higher, which will, in the end, uh, result into our organic better conversion. As you mentioned, the same listing will do get organic sale and will have a certain uh, conversion rate on the organic side. But if we are already on the route into a sponsored way to uh, increase the conversion, it means we are not ranking well on specific keywords uh, for that brand. So, you know, that's where we're looking at the alternatives, how to uh, achieve that, both conversion and both a better ranking for that organically. So when you, so at the end of the day, you monitor both conversions. You monitor how the page is converting. You monitor how the campaign is converting. Uh, absolutely correct. And, and, and uh, you know, you have to look at it both ways, especially as a business owners. And that goes across to another metrics that uh, people confuse or don't know about, which is the ACOS or, or TACOS, advertisement cost of sale or total advertisement cost of sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you cannot focus on the traditional uh, ACOS, which is the advertisement cost of sales, looking into your advertisement console because as a business, you look holistically on your business entirely, sales generated both end, and then you measure your business, well, if you want to call it profitability or the success based on that. So that also goes into conversion when we're talking about uh, organic or sponsored. You have to, otherwise you will not see the full pictures and you will miss things. So how do you actually monitor the conversion on the actual product page, regardless of just the Amazon, but overall, how that listing is performed? Uh, yeah, there is an area within the business reports, I believe. Uh, if, if you go into business reports, uh, there is a section with uh, where it says the sessions. I, I believe it calls detailed page. Uh, con, con, I don't think it's exactly like a conversion word, but uh, in, in a reports, in a business report, there is a section on a 
right hand side where you can pick the ASINs and it will show you the sessions and it's an, a pretty clear uh, percentage there that shows your session count and uh, that will be your uh, average conversion organically for that specific ASIN. And obviously that's a download. That means you have to download it, you have to look at it. That means once you download, you're just looking at numbers. That doesn't mean anything. You have to organize it in some way that, you know, so it's a well, fairly laborious task, right? Well, well uh, yes and no. Uh, for anybody who is new, obviously, that will be like, you know, where, where, where I'm looking, where even I have to pick. And, and then it's easy, you know, someone who's been doing this to confuse and then just talk and represent how easy it can be. And then you're actually bringing the right point. For someone who's starting that does, that may look a little bit of a confusing in the beginning. But, uh, you know, to Amazon credits, they do, uh, well, first of all, they can display it. Uh, so you can see it without downloading. And of course, you can pick the dates to download it. Uh, but, you know, once you get into the Amazon uh, world, into understanding some numbers, understanding readings, uh, things will become uh, pretty, uh, pretty easy to understand. And luckily to any Amazon community, you know, people also, thanks to you, uh, there's a lot of education out there. So everybody can reach out and find uh, certain things. I myself, someone who learned this a lot from uh, yeah. the community to, to kind of, you know, uh, get, 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 get speed, speed on the track. Yeah, I mean, you know, what I tell people always is, you know, they say garbage in, garbage out. So your data, so you may have accurate data, but the, the important thing about using data is, first of all, it has to be collected with a certain discipline. In other words, you cannot collect data from different sources about the same thing because yes. they will they will impact the outcome. The other thing is you have to have the data for the same time periods consistently. So in other words, yes. you can't look at... Uh, so the report that you're referring to is called Detailed Page Sales uh, by Charles Skew. So, yes. so when you download that, the first thing you have to do is select from and, and to dates. So start exactly. date, end date. So you can, as soon as you download that or you can view it, you're looking at that slice. Yeah. Okay, well, what does that mean? Big, 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 big brick of numbers. And what yeah. does that mean? Yes. It means nothing because it doesn't give you the second thing that I care about, which is perspective. So... You have to have historical data. In other words, if you are interested in conversion rate, what you need is how that conversion fluctuated over time in relationship to the events that took place. Exactly. So, exactly. And, and this data is not available unless you do something about it. And it's not something you can do with Excel sheets because uh, I, I hear guests, I you know, say, oh, we have a macro. Okay, well, you know what? You're going to become a data storage because you need historical data so you can say, okay, this is what happened during this time. How about this time compared to last year, this time, last, year. last month? So all these things, uh, how did it fluctuate? It's, so those are the things that I warn people about. You know, When you're looking at it, otherwise it becomes like either meaningless or self-fulfilling prophecy. I, absolutely. Uh, you know, the first road to that and understanding, you know, that metrics or essentially any metrics you look at, and there's like, a, you know, dozens of them uh, within different areas is understanding what you're looking for exactly. 
uh, you know, knowing the purpose, what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to identify. And then putting the objectives, like you said, the timeframes, understanding what was the historical data and what was impacting that historical data. And where are you right now currently? And what are the events that brought you there? So that will help you to make the right decision. Is your matrix and conversion bad or good? Because you may look at it and think, oh, it's, it's, it's a horrible conversion. But in fact, it, when you put things into perspective, you're actually, you, you're in a better place that you, that you have thought. So looking into those data as a role will not going to get you anything. And obviously, it's going to take time for anybody uh, to understand and know what they're looking for. And and, and then, you know, again, using the same term, using the right perspectives into those uh, the, to make the right decision and pull out. And I work with a data analyst. You know, it's a different looking than with a data analyst. They find things. And for business owner, even a successful business owner, just looking at those numbers can be just, you know, I gave up. Like I, I cannot, I, I cannot yeah, find exactly. anything. So. Yeah. So I, I always, so I attended a big data conference a while ago. And this is like going back like seven, eight years. And, and I was there. So first of all, you know, it's in a big hotel, one of those conference facilities. So I'm thinking like, it's going to be a floor, uh, a lot of people. So I go there and, you know, one of my favorite things is movies. So there is a movie called Pirates of the Silicon Valley. It's the story of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. And in the movie, there, are, there is a scene where Steve Jobs attend this trade show or this, this, this uh, event. They're launching a computer. There are no computers at the time. So he's launching. So this event reminded me of that scene because in the movie, it's like a handful of people. Yeah. That was the computer industry. So when I attended this event, that that it was a small room in, in New York City, in a, I think it was one of the Hiltons, and small room, small desk, a couple of desks put together for registration in the same room. And uh, so you would go, there's a handful of people. I thought, oh my God, this is what the, the this is the, the stage that this big data movement is. So in that, uh, conference. It's the birthplace. One of the keynote speakers said something. He said, "Big data does not make money." He yes. said, "They actually consulting companies did this study, and what they found was, out of every dollar spent on proof of concept." They got 15 cents return. Yeah. So there is no real value in big data. So what he said was the value is in getting multiple sources of data. Then measuring it. And turning it into actionable data. So that has huge value. So what he was basically saying was you want to work with data you think about getting it from multiple sources and turning it into actionable data. And he said, unfortunately, people who are in the data business, because they deal with a lot of data, they do not have the skills to turn it into actionable data because by the nature of it, it's a lot of data coming very fast. 
that is a whole different skill that they need to have and they don't know how to use the data. So, and, but ultimately the business owners need to have both. They need to have the data coming in and then data needs to be visualized and they need to know what to do with that data. Yep. And conversion is one of my favorites because conversion is the, the, it's the magic bullet because yes. first of all, it increases your bottom line. It increases your top line directly. In addition, yes. it is one of the most favorite elements of the Amazon A9 algorithm. Absolutely. If somebody searched you by a keyword and then you, you ended up converting, they favor you big time. Yeah. So, uh, and, and you got to manage, monitor the conversion of your product page. And then you dissect that into paid campaigns, organic, blah, blah. Uh, but that's the, the umbrella that governs the whole thing. I always mention. No, you, 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 you're absolutely nailed it. It, it, it. It's so important in, in, in many levels. So one of them, the algorithmic reading is like the, the it's the paramount of uh, why the conversion is important yeah. because they can favor you or lower you and it directly impacts your profitability. It, 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 the conversion is one of the main causes into the A cost, the advertisement cost of selling. If you want to lower it, improve your conversion and, and then you'll see that and, and, and that's, your, that, that's your money right there. Yeah. So let's uh, now step back and look at the big picture a little bit. So um, what do you, so you are acquiring brands who are actually struggling or not so much doing uh, well, uh, at least in their opinion, but you're turning them into success. So uh, why are you doing this? What do you see as the opportunity on Amazon? Yeah, the, the opportunity with this is actually the quick, uh, the, the, first of all, the opportunity to have a, a faster growth. Uh, one of the things I you know, recognize again, uh, you know, coming in earlier, the, the, the sexual uh, topic was, it is much harder to take the brand that is already generating a million, two million, or five million, and make that brand to generate even million and two hundred thousand. Because the brand owners already done a lot for that brand to have that type of a conversion. So it will take you different and in some cases harder approaches to get to that, which will be the adding new categories or omni-channel or, you know, you cannot just take the advertising and improve it and then magically just take the one million to million two hundred thousand and a million and a half or two. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that there are no case studies like that. I'm sure there is, but it's, it's a much harder task from what I know. And it's much easier to take a brand that generates two hundred thousand and the opportunities there and make that the five hundred thousand and have a quick exit by generating the residual profits that comes from month to month, because we do sustain some profitability, given all we acquired a brand with average 20-25% profit, as in typical aggregator style uh, from, the, uh, the, from the broker firms. And we do invest that back into the firm, but we try to keep that profitability in check. Uh, and you know, we benefit from that. And then a year or two years later, was another uh, you know interesting uh, podcast I've heard um, with the Empire State Flippers, who and it's a, you know one of the largest brokers firm out there who actually value the brands who they sell buying it back because the data that they had is not going anywhere. So if you buy the brands from them, you grow, you bring it back to them. They have the historical data, and you're providing them the newer data. You're showing the growth. It's it's much easier for them to repurchase. 
and uh, you you benefit uh, from, uh, from 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 that two uh, parts there. So that was the general idea going into this uh, going into this business and kind of the, uh, seeing the opportunity. The most uh, simplistic form that I would put is uh, the, the real estate term, right? The, the, well, the flipping. You know, you buy the house, you fix it, and then you put it back and then flip it. So I thought to myself, why can't we do that uh, with uh, Amazon brands? Uh, you know, just like that. The house flippers to look in the right neighborhood. Uh, they look into their investment, what it's going to cost them to uh, fix it, and then uh, <laughs> they're selling. Well, so you, just... <laughs> you, you, you know, Ruben, you, you really, uh, you really put it in, in such a great way. You, you, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, you brought it right down to the basic level in terms of uh, trading, the wheeling, dealing. Because really, that's what it is. I never thought about it because. You know, when I deal with data analytics, blah, blah, PPC, advertising, CTR, and all these things, these are fairly high-level um, uh, conversations and acronyms and everything. So, you know, people who listen to you think, oh, you know, these guys are big deal. And now you turned it right into flipping property. <laughs> and that, that's really uh, – and, and frankly, that is – how you do it in terms of uh, creating wealth because you are adding value and then at the same time, you know, you're cashing in on it, you move on to another one. Uh, I actually had the, 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 the director of marketing from Empire Flippers on the show and he was a guest and he gave specific metrics about how to value, what, what is the criteria. So what you're talking about is, is exactly the case. So, uh, in your model, uh, at least as a model for acquisition, uh, who do you prefer, FBA sellers, FBM sellers, or does it matter? Uh, FBA sellers are definitely preferred. Uh, we, we have not looked any FBM sellers thus far, so uh, you know, do not have an experience. I personally sold a lot of FBM uh, in, in, in various uh, business ventures. Uh, but uh, as the business model, we do prefer FBA because that is, a, you know, again, rule of thumb, uh, for a lot of aggregators who purchase bond, purchase back the brands and uh, you know, for the brokerage firms as well. So the, the FBA is a preferred. So, you know, what I'd like to know, and I'm sure the listeners would be, by the way, I agree with you about uh, going for a smaller seller. And that is the reason why the kind of clients that I like to work with are also smaller companies. Because what happens is, I always say this, you cannot build an Amazon operation in isolation uh, as a silo. It has to be part of your entire operation. And a lot of business owners don't approach it like that. They say, oh, we just want to do this on Amazon. So as a result, they've got two types of businesses. And before you know it, they start conflicting with each other because you have one inventory <laughs> that is going yeah. to go a different place. So they have... The supply chain, they, they, they made a deal with some stores, they're supplying uh, wholesale, and they also want to sell on Amazon. So uh, before you know it, competition kicks in. So, so I come in, and they are struggling. They have a few million dollars in revenues, maybe, and uh, they're looking to grow. Their product is promising, and they've got problems. So when I take them on, the kind of impact I make not only is on their Amazon operation, but on their entire operation, on their entire mindset of how they approach building a business, building value, 
So I enjoy working with small ones like that uh, because you, it, you, you basically uh, make a mark in yep. there, a good one. So uh, that's why that, that's very uh, rewarding. So in that spirit, tell me about some of these smaller sellers that you approach. What kind of challenges that do you see them experience operationally and then share with us some of the, the solutions that you introduce them to make an impact. Well, great question, and, and I'll be an extension to what you've actually started. So, uh, there are you know, two topics that I'll, uh, that I'll that I'll discuss with this, and uh, one of them is uh, you know, working with these brands. One of the biggest challenges, and. You know, this is, we face more within the, the PAS, the brand management uh, business model. We, you know, as a PAS, the professional Amazon services, we do offer, and it's all started with me, uh, basically consulting coming out of the distribution model. I've seen so many brands who having exactly what you said. They have a distribution model. Now they want to do the D2C because they saw an opportunity there. They tried Amazon, they failed. So, you know, I come in and I kind of, you know, help them. So, one of the biggest challenges as a distribution or small business faces while having that transition is facing with the third-party sellers. Uh, because prior to that, they would sell as a wholesale and uh, their brands will be, their products will be in the hands of many other sellers who would act uh, you know, very neglectively. Uh, they would not follow their map, map policies. Uh, they will not follow with what the reviews are. They would not put the brand story. They will not represent the brand as it intended to be. And then the brand will be Amazon basically floating. Uh, you know, if it's a super popular brand outside of the Amazon, it will generate sales, obviously. But if it's a, a smaller side of it and it requires attention, that brand will suffer and will suffer, you know, uh, very, very seriously uh, inside the Amazon. And as we know, Amazon becoming a search engine and popular place to look for a product outside of the Amazon. They will look at the reviews and will not do it. So uh, one of my first ventures right out of the, uh, you know, right when I left my job was identifying those areas. And then I, I saw that's a, you know, a huge problem for the brand. So coming in, uh, the challenge that I fixed was getting behind and doing a brand protection. So using the brand registry at the right way to force the third-party sellers, especially the not especially unauthorized ones, or the ones who's continuously violating the term, to force them out. Uh, and then uh, clean the brand and kind of create this clean slate for the new brand to launch. Uh, the next phase that will help them to that was fixing their brand in Amazon. And that would go into updating their SEO, their images, uh, bring the lift the brand into the, where it needs to be, uh, you know, and, and right after that, uh, actually launching the brand officially uh, with helping them with the PPC strategies and then developing and a growing brand. And, you know, we've seen some tremendous success with certain brands uh, reaching in seven figures within eight months uh, when they before never sold before uh, brand was solely uh, outside of the Amazon. So that is uh, one uh, certain uh, way we solve the challenges for them. Uh, the next one, very, very recent one, it's a small company. The founder is a very successful photographer who, like many other you know, invention people, who was looking for a certain home improvement accessory and could not find anything to his liking. Uh, so it was like any innovators, he created his own and he got excited about it, so he manufactured. Now he has a thousand units 
but has no actual plan how this thing will work out. Because, you know, if you apply for a Home Depot to sell an e-commerce, they're most likely they're going to reject. Then now you're looking into very costly uh, 3PL services. Uh, and it's it, it's a challenge. So, you know, when, when they contacted, it was a friend of friend of referral. Like, and you need to do simply, we'll launch your brand in Amazon. Uh, we'll, and it's going to be very soft latch because the product is so unique. We cannot... Um, be happy behind and guarantee this is going to be a success. But we will do all the right things for you. So we'll bring the inventory and using Amazon Global Logistics, another extremely popular dude that so many sellers are uh, overlooking. We'll use the Amazon Global Logistics, help you with your shipping fees. We direct your goods from your manufacturer all the way to the Amazon fulfillment centers. Create an omni-channel approach by using, uh, you know, we can do it manual, but we can use, uh, you know, basically a channel advisor uh, and then many of the econ dash and many of those uh, nature. Launch it into multiple marketplaces. For example, will be the fair.com as a B2C option, uh, and actually B2B option and uh, Etsy and anything else. And then with that, fixing two solutions, their e-commerce problem and ways how to have a sell-through. And then their logistical problem, because this guy is, uh, they don't have any warehouse, they don't want to store it into his garage. And uh, now he has a facility. And anytime order comes through, we use the multi channel fulfillment offered by Amazon to fulfill the orders today. And we put almost the first class uh, shipping charges for that. So, a couple of questions. Uh, you said, Brent, start with the brand registry. So you said we get them registered the right way. What does right, right way look like? Uh, not the right way. The using the brand registry in the right way uh, into yeah. uh, yes into into for filing the complaints uh, properly that will get the unauthorized sellers removed and will not legally invite and the sellers into any actions because in some cases smaller brands you know they are not going to really worry about but in some certain cases when you're removing a seller. Uh, there can be a repercussion back. So we're doing it to, uh, 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 into with the right merit that can protect the brand in case of a uh, in, in, in case of a, uh, a pullback. Uh, so that's what we do. We have the right language and ways to communicate with the brand registry to remove the sellers in the first place. Second phase, identify who those sellers are, where they obtain the goods, and then third decide if we will activate the, uh, uh, that seller back to sell and offer that brand or just reject their, uh, the, the, they reject their goods. In some cases, we even offer a buyback, uh, not let that third-party seller uh, lose money. But we utilize this into a very, uh, well, we approach this very methodologically. We do have the ways how to uh, oversee this, and it's been a, a quite success for the brands that we manage. So share with us some of the, the right language, some do, some don't. And what is the right way to do this with, with sellers who are, that you are picking up? Um, it's a bit of a secret, so, so I'll just kind of uh, you know, uh, give a good observation into how you have to approach this. So uh, when you're uh, doing a brand registry report, there are two types of reporting that you need to know. One is the copyright infringement, and the second one is a trademark infringement. So first and foremost, your brand has to be officially registered with the USPTO. Serial numbers will not work 
I'll repeat, the serial numbers will not give you that option. You have to be registered. Second, if the seller selling your goods within your own registered brand, with your own ASIN is a hijacker, you need to use the trademark, uh, the trademark infringement uh, the type. Uh, you, know, you use your uh, trademark, obviously, it's a very step-by-step -step actions. And then in the comments, which is an important section, you have to point out, and by the way, there's a misconception. Amazon asks you, have you made the purchase from that brand to make sure if it's authentic or not? And it's a very big, very big piece. We can remove it without even making the purchase order. But for the brands who are doing this first time, I would recommend it. You make the purchase uh, from that seller you think is selling unauthorized to make sure the goods. And then you would need to put the order number within the bar that Amazon uh, indicates. And then you have to put the exact details why you think the seller is selling unauthorized or counterfeit goods, which will include the details such as your brand name, a seller that is unrecognized, your ASIN, and then additional details you may have. For example, we do not distribute our goods to any third-party sellers. Thus, I do not recognize this seller, and that creates an authority for you to have the right to remove that seller. Uh, you make sure you put your name and then the email that where the seller can reach back, because in some cases, seller may indeed uh, be uh, someone who purchased this uh, from uh, from you know, another unauthorized uh, distribution and did not know all the rules, and then you don't want to uh, tarnish their account health, and then you, know, you can retract that violation. So make sure you're putting your email and then filing the submission. Usually, it takes less than 24 hours to Amazon reply, and you can change your submission history uh, to see what was the results, and uh, you know, it's either accepted or not. Uh, you can actually follow up with Amazon and uh, escalate uh, the submission if it's not approved. Yeah, there is one. Uh, there is one key uh, component in this. Um, when you said you have you made the purchase, you know, they and bring that up in the, in the form. You should make the purchase, but make the purchase using your Amazon primary username as the buyer, because that will be the proof for Amazon. You did, in fact, buy it as the seller because they recognize the primary user. They don't yeah. recognize the additional users. Yeah. So, uh, therefore, if you use your primary username um, to make the purchase from that seller and then include the order number in the back end, they will know immediately that this yeah. was an authentic purchase you made and that uh, as the owner of the brand on the brand registry, you are recognizing this to be not yep. authorized. So exactly. Yeah. So exactly. that's the way. Yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, you know putting that out there in such detail because a lot of people don't know. And you know, Amazon is a detailed business. You have to be detail oriented. Oh, yeah. You have to be so focused. And those who are not detail oriented need to really get support because yep. and and also it's not only detail oriented. They have history, so they will go back to the exact same thing once years later and say you had done this. So yeah. it's one of those things. So um, if you could wish one thing for Amazon to change in their policies for third-party sellers, what do you think that would be? Uh, the policy, and it's something I thought, uh, one of the policy issues that I deal with that it just bothers me, it's very personal, 
Uh, and then I, I speak something in general what I would like them to change, which is, you know, so many sellers instantly would cheer like, yeah, we're all for you. Uh, you know, a lot of the issues in the policy we faced into is their, uh, their specific, their dragon paraphernalia listing policy. It is extremely vague. And we've been dealing with a very famous accessory that can be mistakenly categorized and our listings being pulled and then one day from a multi-million dollar company we're down to a couple of thousand dollar company then we have to fight our back and then bring uh, thousands of paperwork to prove that we're following the policy so having people in place within their policy who are following them thoroughly uh, will be extremely good change. So their so policies within the listing violations are extremely vague and, and, it, and it may pull things that should not pull. And as you may know, once listings been pulled, first, it's very, very hard to reactivate the listing. And second, depending how long your listing was enacted, you're just being pushed back. Yeah, that yeah. Certain- yeah your rank goes out the window. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. That's that's the policy change that I would like to see. And then generally, what I'd like to see, Amazon, please do better job with your seller support. Yeah, you well, those, that, those that's, that's it. Seller support, improve <laughs> seller support. So sellers are actually their customers, and they they are all about best customer experience, and they don't care about the seller experience. So, no, no, yeah. no, no. So, uh, Ruben, uh, so you said something which is a good segue to my next uh, line of a uh, couple of questions. Personal. So, let's get personal a little bit. Uh, so, we know you are an immigrant. We know you came here. So, but you ended up in this business. What what put you in this business? I want to get inside your, your head a little bit. The, the hustle, I guess. That will be the easiest way to describe it. Uh, you know, I came in in 2008 when it was the biggest recession, but coming from a third world country, it was it was nothing to me. Like, it was no recession at all. And, uh, you know, I've been working uh, working hard into construction and, uh, and the lowest construction job got into one of the toughest jobs in Florida you can have, which is a landscaping. And, uh, you know, I always had that entrepreneurial uh, side in me that, I recognized quickly in the in, in U.S. just doing one job will be extremely hard for an immigrant coming from zero to achieve something. So I needed to side hustle. And, and uh, quite frankly, uh, how I got into the e-commerce is my first job when I landed that allowed me to come into, well, I was fascinated by eBay while, you know, just working at home. And eBay was my first e-commerce that I was introduced. Just an idea of you can sell something online and make money was like, you know, mind blowing to me. But I did not know how to find things to sell. And, you know, what, who, who can even tell me how this is? So I landed my first job, which was outside of, you know, anything heavier than we're done, was the pawn shop. And then the pawn shop business model was very straightforward. The goods that was purchased was resold in eBay. And me having already experienced with eBay, that just came, you know, I just kind of started uh, having this uh, high school moment learning what was the eBay. And the first dollars that I made, funny enough, it was thing that Pawnshop wanted to throw away. So anything they want to throw away, I was just like, I'll, I'll take this. My first thing I saw was a Sopranos all season, the booklet 
that was missing a couple of CDs, and then the pawn shop didn't want to want to do it, want to throw away. And I so I, I took it, and I took it, I put it online, I sold it. I'm like, this is it. This is what I need to do. And and I kind of took it from there. You know, I started oh, getting wait into a minute. But why? Where does that come from? I mean, the, growing up, you must have had some kind of an environment that that kind of pushed you in that direction, right? Uh, yeah, I, I guess the, well, you know, the, my biggest motivation early on was uh, solely the aspects of money making. Uh, but you no, know, just, just it was this financial thing that, uh, you know, I was a big believer always that if someone else can do something, uh, you can do it. Especially coming into the country, which was the United States, the biggest opportunities here. I would look into people who would drive in their nice cars next to me and I'm then thinking like, you know, how they can achieve it. I need to do something. Did, and that you, grow up, did, did you grow up in a poor pe- family? Is that why you uh, were? Well, yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, well, let's put it this way. When, you know, when, you know, I would wear my dad's uh, sneakers to play the basketball, which was my passion sport. So, Okay. Um, you can think of the level of poorness say no, like what say, I want. Say, say no more. <laughs> say no more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, yeah, that's that's kind of it. And then, uh, you know, with the time, I got inspired a lot with uh, seeing people, you know, with the success and then opportunities. So that pushed me into, you're going to do more, you're going to do something. And then one thing led another. You know, I remember when I would count, you know, my time that become 20 and then 20 become 40. I take that 40 and make it 80. And then, you know, I kind of lost the count because things were so many and then so often. Uh, but that was the journey, pretty much day-to-day. So I'm going to suggest something to you. You may not have thought about it this way. So now that I know you are the guy who wore your dad's sneakers to play basketball, to this day, so you were, the, you were always the underdog trying to make it big, so obviously trying to... So now you're working with those sellers who are also denied a lot of the things because they're small and you're taking them under your wing and then you're making them successful. So I, I think that that goes right back to the days that you wore your bad sneakers. You know, never, nobody ever brought up that to me. And now you're saying this, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, one of my... You gravitate towards those people. There is a reason why. I mean, of course, it makes sense. That is where you're making lemonades. But that lemon is coming out in the first place and saying to you, this is what, and a lot of people walk away. I mean, a lot of people, are you're too small. I I don't want to spend my time. But you're not doing that. And what is driving you, I mean, I'm I'm just hearing you and your story because it resonates with me. And, you know, I, I do a lot of the things because of my own experience. So that's what I'm hearing here. Yep. And, 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 and you're right. One of my biggest success stories working with brands is not the ones that we you know, manage almost 10 million of the client's money and working with a multi-million dollar brands. It's the ones, it's the smallest one. It's the clients that, uh, you know, I, I, I love them a lot. It's two ladies from New York who have a proprietary uh, uh, beauty product who, you know, I, I worked with and, uh, they could not afford the service charges that we do usually, but I believed in them so much and I kind of was drawn to them so much. So I cut my cost to working, basically, you know, losing money, providing services. I was a big believer and I did want to help that brand grow. I, I, I fell to it. And 
we're having a tremendous success with them right now. That's and it's great. It's, uh, it's yeah. really good. So, uh, Ruben, tell us about uh, how people can reach you. We'll obviously put your contact information on our website with the episode, which will go to YouTube also. But give it to us right now and, and uh, tell us how people can connect with you. Uh, yeah, so it's a very easy, you know, the website called, it's a PAS agency that stands for to easy remember professional Amazon services. We've actually done a huge facelift into our website, which again was initially, you know, just something to be out there. Now it's uh, represents exactly what the organization is. Uh, you know, we grew from one person to 10 person right now, people who work with me. So it's a PAS agency. My you know, direct email inbox is my name, Ruben. R-U-B-N dot A at P-A-S agency dot com. So it's my name, Ruben dot A. It's my first initial from the last name and then P-A-S agency dot com. Um, you go there and you see their services. We do offer uh, the single services, help you with your content, SEO, whatever, or we'll do for full service management. And we work with any brand. So do not be shy. Am I good for this agency? Yes, you are good. Uh, you know, just just call. Let's, let's make a meeting go on. Great. Thank you very much, Ruben. This has been great. And you've inspired a lot of people, I have no doubt. And I'm sure you'll hear from some of the listeners. And thank you again for being here. Well, thank you very much. Uh, was, was, I enjoyed my time a lot. And uh, thank you for being Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that brings us to the end of another episode. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe, rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.